Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Urban Health Podcast, Keeping Busy People Healthy. I'm Stephanie Webster, a nutritional therapist in Harley Street, London, specializing in fat loss, gut health, and hormone optimization for busy executives and entrepreneurs over 40. Today, we are honored and privileged to be joined by Richard Scanlon, who is an EMDR therapist. With over 15 years experience, Richard worked at the Castle Craig Hospital, which is a renowned world-class trauma facility, where he worked on addressing the complex issues of traumatic stress and addiction simultaneously in a 12-step rehabilitation program. The participants on the program included combat veterans, survivors of sexual assault and physical violence, amongst others. Richard, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie, for bringing me here. How are you? How am I? On the whole, I'm fine, but I won't bore you with the finer details. Good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so well, what, what would you like to know about me? I would like to know, what is EMDR and what's got you interested in EMDR? Right, well, let's start with EMDR, which is a um, relatively new therapy, um, interestingly designed by a woman uh, called Shapiro, in New York about probably about 30 years ago now. Um, it began on the outskirts of therapy because cognitive behavioral therapy was really taking the lead in most um, therapy and care. So I was very, very skeptical. But what happened with me, I, um, I got forced into a situation where I was having to look after combat veterans and I needed to learn very, very quickly the quickest way to deal with them. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And it's a very uh, complicated, or certainly neurologically complicated approach, but it's very simple to administer. So I, uh, I trained um, with, with great, great skepticism and found to my amazement, um, I was getting results within a week that uh, used to take six weeks or eight weeks and perhaps sometimes never. So it's about bilateral stimulation. So for some reason, and they're still working on it, if you move your eyes from left to right, you are able to process um, memories that are a bit stuck. So PTSD, really is about reliving the past. So I end up in this environment and I was seeing 20 people a day. I put them in groups, I did mindfulness courses, um, I did the whole shebang. And it was okay, it did work, but as soon as I started doing the MDR on my own, um, it was fabulous. And even I was shocked. So what was very interesting about the combats uh, veterans was that it wasn't the the trauma of the leg being blown off or the grenade or Afghanistan. Um, it usually went further back into why they're there in the first place. So I developed my own skills. I changed it. So I set up my own practice in uh, Amsterdam for well, going now for eight years. And we started treating a different clientele, corporate, um, women who were having problems in their marriages, uh, losing direction, 
and applied the same techniques in a slightly more softer way and bingo. So I was seeing people come in three sessions, done, out. And it's very, very successful. So I left there and now uh, come over to London and looking to start to find the right people who need my help. And so when you led the trauma department at Castle Craig and also you went to Amsterdam, you started to develop your own uh, skills within EMDR and you started using Sonic. Would you like to tell yeah, us a little so, bit about that? Well, exactly. I mean, the, the, the original protocol by uh, Shapiro uses eye movement. So you go left to right with your finger or your pen and for some reason your memory pushes forward. So then, why not make the experience a bit more abrasive? Because people got very shocked when they saw something going through their eyes. So I put soundscapes on and have a, uh, a bilateral rhythm going through it. And prior to doing this, there's quite, there is a bit of CBT in that we work out where the trauma is, what happened, you know, who, who is the person that put you down? Who is the person that stops you being the best person you can be? We identify it, focus on it, remove it. And that can be done in an hour. Yeah, well, I've had it done, and it's beautiful. I loved putting the earphones yeah. on, hearing the, the, the sounds from left to yeah. right, and my mind was just exploding with different thoughts, different memories, different yeah. things I hadn't visited, my subconscious things I need to reprocess and rethink. And I felt really aligned afterwards. I felt very centered, aligned and focused. And I felt liberated. You will find focus because when you're operating from the back part of the brain, the amygdala, um, you're, you're just on. And I think the type of people you're talking about are just on. And they need to check out, mm -hmm. even if it's an hour, just to have a sensory experience that allows their creativity come back. Okay, so let's talk about the amygdala and the different parts of the brain. So let's talk okay, about so, how we are yeah, set yeah. up. Because we, we're all... always assume everyone knows it. Um, well, well we're all made of the same stuff. So there's, there's different parts. Yeah, so we have, well, the present um, idea about the brain is that it's made of three parts. A trian brain, okay? So before we were anything, we were lizards. Okay, so our only point was to survive. Now that part is still in the brain and it's called an amygdala. In time we became mammals and we wrapped ourselves over. So we developed a, a mammalian brain. So that's the one that wants to fight as well. And it's a bit angry. And if you get a memory stuck in the amygdala and the, mammal, uh, the mammalian, you will never develop an adult mature response. So in time, we've uh, developed over thousands of years something called a prefrontal cortex. And that wraps over the whole three things. Unfortunately, the lizard will always win if it's triggered. So we need to find out what the trigger is. And this is important because if you've got, you find yourself we, committing to a diet program or a fitness program. That's going to work perfectly with it. And you've got this compulsion to drink, to eat, to take drugs, to whatever it is. 
and you have this compulsion you can't figure yourself out you, you well, need to understand why and you can spend years and years in therapy and it has its place or you can do EMDR it's another approach you need to just explore and do whatever's right for you to be the best version of yourself so how does EMDR process those memories from the amygdala through the mammalian and into the prefrontal cortex well, I mean, it, it, you ha you do have to slightly go back to Freudian stuff, which lovely, very, <laughs> very unfashionable, and but there are parts of it that are that are relevant. But you store memories as a child, and the brain develops as you grow up. So, unfortunately, those ego states are relevant. So let's let's explain what ego it, states are. Well. We could be here forever. Okay, well, let's not. <laughs> okay, another time. <laughs> we, I, okay. I could produce a thesis at this point, but, you know, my God, they're going to be bored. Okay. But basically, um, why, why is an addict, why is an alcoholic, why is a, a food addict, why, do, why isn't uh, somebody neglecting their health, why do they keep doing it? Why do they still go back to that? You know, and I've sat with psychiatrists, clients who can't work it out. And it is simply about how the brain works. And, you know, what, what fires together, wires together. You know, in the last 10 years, or it's probably coming out for 20 years, we're, we're learning more about the brain. So it's not about being logical. It's not about being intelligent. It's nothing to do with being um, inadequate. It is simply a part of your brain that will overrule because the biggest thing in that brain, that little amygdala, the lizard, whatever you want to call it, is always going to take over. And for whatever reason, going for a drink, not going to the gym, uh, eating the bad things, it truly believes is doing the, the kindest thing for you. Mm -hmm. It's trying to protect it you. It wants to look after you. Mm -hmm. But it's operating from fear. It's operating from survival. Mm -hmm. So the states of fear are... You know, run, freeze, attach as well. Mm -hmm. So, so it can be very frustrating for someone who's intelligent, oh my God, yeah. who can run a business, and they go home and they can't figure out why they can't control themselves. And this is really useful for that situation. But well, those guys that are very, very, very successful mm -hmm. are operating on an, you know, uh, a amygdala basis because their survival is based on being successful. Mm -hmm. They need to be successful. Mm -hmm. So, But when it comes to emotional intelligence, they come home, mm -hmm. they find it difficult. But they're high achievers, and they oh, expect yeah. a lot of themselves. Mm. So they, get, they kick themselves, and they get very frustrated when they can't seem to stick to their own rules. And that, that, that is really the pain that we're trying to solve for them today oh, yeah. with this. I, some of my clients, you know, they're, they're, they're worth... Billions, mm. but they're on their fifth marriage. Mm -hmm. Why? So you think that's related to the compulsion of the because they, they substances? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. They do things they, you know, regret. It's not that they genuinely didn't love those people, but they just screw up. So who's EMDR useful for? But who is it not useful for? Because it has its applications. Well, I did. You know, I like to push boundaries. Um, I think. Working with the soldiers allowed me to see that people can take more than they think. Uh, it's not 
If you are epileptic, you can't use eye movements. Um, if you have a history of psychosis, possibly not. Mm-hmm. But if you're medicated, um, if you've experienced a severe trauma in the last six months, I would allow the brain to have its own natural healing. Uh-huh. But if it's still persistent and symptoms are there, then, then you know, then come in. So you have worked in addiction clinics. I would say that most of my clients would not define themselves as addicts, whether they're in denial or not is a different matter. But oh, they, yeah, I've, they, done, I've done my tour of duty, yeah. Um, but I'm thinking of those who, they find themselves just unable to give up wine. Let's take alcohol for, as an example. It's wine. How, how do we process the mind to knock that on the head? Well, I was asked recently about this on, because, uh, on the BBC because they're, they're looking at taxing wine. Um, it's sociable. It's acceptable. Mm-hmm. Two bottles of wine has become the norm. Mm-hmm. Well, your liver does not think two bottles of wine a night is normal. No. And at some point, it takes over. And the problem with alcohol is that tolerance levels go up. So it's a very, very, very difficult um, substance. So one glass of wine after work, enough. Five years later, two bottles of wine. Becomes enough. And unfortunately, it will progress further, whether you like it or not. And you need to be honest with yourself. Do I have a drinking problem? Do I have an addiction? Do I need to fix this how how's it impacting well, my life they're very ugly words mm-hmm. so you know i treat alcoholics and I, and and people with drug problems uh but i don't go into that shaming let's look at the reasons why are there alternatives mm-hmm. um it's a form of hiding mm-hmm. yeah. they're on they're on they're on these people mm-hmm. and uh, they need shelter they need sanctuary they need safety. Mm-hmm. And what does it do? Creates an illusion of safety. Yeah. Uh, I, I speak in other podcasts about mindfulness, how that's become with meditation, mindfulness. And they are so mindful all day, making decisions. Mm. And actually, they need mindlessness and escapism and yeah. just to switch off. And meditation isn't going to cut it when you've been making big decisions all day. So something as aggressive as alcohol or drugs or whatever is what needs to happen in order to stabilize that state. It, according to the amygdala's opinion, of course. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, um, I'm doing some studies with the psychology unit at Bangor, which is the first place that started looking at mindfulness as a, um, a realistic option. And what they find in the literature is that people are going out saying mindfulness is everything. Mm. And I'm afraid if you switch something off, you're actually going to induce anxiety. So you go and breathe and we focus and we look at yeah, and then it's there. And what happens <laughs> is the heart rate actually goes up. Yeah. And you can, you can actually induce psychosis. And I've seen it. And, and then these people are then berated for, for not getting it. Uh-huh. You're not letting go. Uh-huh. Well, because that amygdala is simply, it's unsafe. Uh-huh. It's unsafe to close your eyes in a room full of people. Yeah. 
I mean, there are ways of doing it, and the best way of mindfulness for these types is to run, to walk, or to dance. breathe, yeah, and dance. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I find headspace very difficult. Oof. I think I, I know it's super successful, but I think it's quite generalized and not really accepting the fact that uh, pe- people are neurodiverse. Exactly. And this okay. is the thing. So the app Headspace is very successful for a lot of my clients. Some people like calm. Mm. Some people like to go to a class or yoga or meditation. They, it, just find whatever works for you and enjoy that process of self-discovery. Don't be despondent and say, oh, this didn't work or I didn't feel anything. And just give things a give things a try. Try different things. Mm. Learn. Learn about who you are, what you're made of, what drives you, mm. and, and understand what's going to work for you and and actually what works for you today might not be the same thing that works for you in 10 years time when your life circumstances have changed yeah. and you have changed so it's about constantly thinking self-care how can I look after myself and what arsenal do I have to to do that with yes and I, and you know what's great about you is you, you build a very large repertoire of access uh-huh. to doing things that work whatever works works yeah sure but, but there are parameters you have to put in place that it are unhealthy. There are there so is no ex- a gram of cocaine in a nightclub and dancing mm-hmm. is not healthy. No, I don't. I don't but do being, that. No. <laughs> I'm sure you don't. No, but being free, mm-hmm. movement is extremely important. Yeah, the sedentary lifestyle, the brain, the hunter, that all all three parts need to be in sync. Yeah, and if they're not. Then you get this stress. Yeah. No, I'm very accommodating to my clients. And I love to go to the nth degree to make sure that they can look after themselves. Because there's no excuse not to look after yourself, no matter how busy you are. You are your number one asset and you need to look after yourself. So um, that's not really uh, telling anyone off or nagging. It's just merely having enough resources around. And this whole podcast is to display the different Mm. approaches that could help you. Yes, we have psychiatrists that can give you pills if you feel that's what's right for you. If you feel pills aren't right for you, we have more esoteric, more more controversial Mm. therapies. And I I bring you all of them because they all have been affected for someone of my clients. And that's why I share them with you because you're all busy. You're all trying to um, be the best version of yourselves with limited time. And that's my goal here. And you're bringing back something very ancient. Health came first. Yeah. So from your experiences, what are the main causes of addiction? Um, That's a big question. It's tough. It's it's been going on for a long, long time. There's different agendas. Um, The AMA, the American Association, um, would say that it's um, chemical. It is organic. Um, there is a long, long line of um, genetic disposition. Um, some people would argue that it's an allergy, certainly in cases of alcohol. Um, some people can take cocaine and not drink alcohol. But uh, for me, it's about attachment. And the one thing that substances are as long as they're not too bizarre and you have to go down to the Amazon to get them, is they're available. They do the job. They won't leave you. And if you've, if you've had an experience of um, 
poor attachment in your in your development, and you discover uh, a substance that fulfills that need, the brain latches on very very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean alcohol; it can also mean love, sex, anything that is dependent. Mm-hmm. And the thing, and, and, and you know, in this world, you can buy sex, mm-hmm. so it's the same. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the brain knows that, it can be soothed. Mm-hmm. And it's social media, and it's gambling, and it's Amazon Prime, and it's... it's oh, not well, then, just... then we start yeah, we're to go into a whole new world of the yeah. shopping addiction. Yeah, so it's not just substances. It's, it's also behavioural addiction. It's reward. Reward. So if your life is not giving you reward, yeah. your early experiences didn't give you instant reward, Yeah. So you had to build and build and build and become super, super, super successful. Um, it's the same drive mm-hmm. to be accepted. Mm-hmm. So instant gratification in dieting is an issue. <laughs> so we try and... Well, yeah. Um, Where would we be if we just caved in to all instant gratification? So there's gratification that's good for you and it serves you and, and others that, that don't. And it's about being mindful of what's healthy and what isn't. That's very true, um, but delayed gratification is extremely difficult. You need both. To develop, and mm-hmm. it will take time, and it will take a little bit of care mm-hmm. and love, and to Support. understand that fallbacks or actions or doing it or acting out whatever need to be looked at with care and compassion because the origin is pain. So if you then go to the person that's done the thing they shouldn't have done and go, you're a dirty, filthy little, you've let yourself down, you're not good enough, it's going to have the the rebound effect and you're going to do it more. Mm -hmm. So you have to say, okay, this is where we are today. Pain and trauma. And this technique has solved so much pain for so many of your clients. There must be some that have really stood out that you think wow, this technique is transformational. And I'm just so impressed with what this can do. You've changed thousands of lives over the years. Well, I've I've built up a cluster of people, um, which is interesting. But the best evidence I have is people get on with their lives. And it's a very, very odd experience because when they shift, they think it's as normal. It's how I always felt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes they go... Okay, just not coming next week. I'm fine. So we have this test called DNA Mind from Nordic Labs, and that can assess whether you have a propensity to be uh, addicted to substances or not. Mm -hmm. And how your brain is shaped Mm -hmm. has an impact on how likely you are to be addicted or not. So that was very fascinating when you you said the actual physical structure of the brain and... If it's psychological, it's biological. So how we're built structurally will have an impact on mood and, yeah. and our propensity to act on impulses. So tell us a bit about the physical structure of the brain. Okay, so when you, when you grow up, your, your grey matter builds and your, um, the connections you make can be disrupted by experience. And it doesn't have to be a big experience. But if you're in an environment where you're nurtured, cared for, needs are met, and they don't have to be big, but the basics, food, 
shelter, warmth, compassion, and the ability to make a mistake. And so if all of those things are in place, you, you find these extraordinary people called normal. They do exist. I've read about them. You know one, do you? I, no, <laughs> I, I don't know anyone who's normal. So I, I feel very uncomfortable around normal people. No, I'm joking. So, so but the, I have read about them. So the growth patterns have to lead into the prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. If they're disrupted, they loop back because they don't know any better. But neuroplasticity, which is a very, very important part of all of this, is that can be corrected. Okay, so you can reverse your brain. You can, it's, it's plastic. Mm-hmm. If you repeat something over and over again that's healthy, you will develop that healthy pattern. I've been sober for 17 years. I had to change. There are people who are listening to this who have had trauma, PTSD, and addiction. And when it comes to those three uh, conditions, how does EMDR compare to other types of therapy that they might be considering? Well, first you've got to accept that EMDR is a cognitive therapy. So it does allow for that. I would say, I, I think people should shop around uh, I think people should uh, speak to their therapists. But there was, a, there was a great study. They spent millions in America to work out what was the best therapy. And it turns out the relationship therapist is the biggest uh, indicator of success. Absolutely. And tell us what we can expect from a session. What do we need to do to prepare as well? You don't need to do anything. You just need to bring yourself and sit down. Let's get through the awkwardness. Like you sat with a stranger for 10 minutes. Then we do a, a history. You don't actually have to tell me everything. Uh, it's between you and your brain. Um, so if there are things that in your past or present, uh, that doesn't even need to come up. It doesn't need to be analysed. Your brain will fix itself if it's in the right environment. Okay, so environment's really important. So the first thing I would do is make someone feel safe. So, Richard, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I've always found you to be empathetic, trustworthy, and very discreet with my clients, and they have found you very, very impactful on their psyche, and they are much better for it. So thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you very much, Stephanie. And they can get in touch with you at number 10 Harley Street, where you're offering consultations there. Correct. Great. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening to the Urban Health Podcast, Keeping Busy People Healthy.